While it's true that many companies don't allow you to talk about Christ in the workplace, there's absolutely nothing stopping you from being like Christ in the workplace. This is Preach Where You Reach. Welcome to the Preach Where You Reach podcast. I'm Scott Warren, and today my guest is Eric Allen. He's based in Idaho. He's an entrepreneur, content creator, John Maxwell certified coach. He's the host of the Eric Allen Show podcast, where he talks with world changers, entrepreneurs, and successful-minded people. He owns Eric Allen Media, which helps entrepreneurs get known and noticed online, and so much more. I'm sure we're going to cover a lot more than just that. Eric, welcome to the Preach Where You Reach podcast. Oh, thank you so much, man. Truly an honor to be on your show, man. Now, I understand you are also an avid MMA fan. Is that correct? Yeah. So I used to have a company called Top Rated MMA and, and uh, you know, ran that company for about five years. It was, it was fun, man. I kind of uh, loosened up my fanhood a few years back, but yeah, okay, bit, big fan though, for sure. Yeah. It was always tough for me to watch. I I, I could, uh, I mean, I don't mind the the hitting. It's when, you know, there's a kick and a leg could snap. That's where I'm, I'm, I'm out. Like I can't, yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. It can, it can get brutal for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, to talk about things maybe less brutal, I'm excited for our conversation because um, you are you you've got quite a story that I want the listeners to hear. On preach where you reach, we're really focused on how Christians incorporate their faith in their workplace. I think there's a conversation there that that isn't always being had, and some people aren't sure exactly how to how to bring that to their workplace. And so we'll, we'll, we're going to get to that. But before we can get to Christ in the workplace, we got to kind of first figure out and go back to the drawing board of when you first came to Christ in the first place. Yeah. What's your testimony? You know, I, I grew up in small town, well, not so small anymore, but small town, Washington state. And, and, you know, we did little league. My parents took me to Sunday school every Sunday and my dad would take my best friend Dave and I and literally throw us in dumpsters behind stores on Saturday morning and say, go find treasure. Like we just had this, like I I thought was a normal childhood. Maybe not everybody oh. got tossed into dumpsters, but <laughs> you know, for me, it was like, that was our, we always looked forward to doing that type of stuff. And when I was 11 years old, my parents got divorced. I had no idea why. I didn't even know what divorce was. I didn't know anyone who had gotten a divorce. And then my mom got together with a guy who was very physically abusive almost right away. And I didn't understand why she stayed with him. But there would be times where they'd be fighting and arguing. And, and you know, I remember like being outside of the house and looking through their bedroom window and he'd be hitting her with a cordless phone when those were a thing, you know. And uh, my mom, like I said, never pressed charges. And then they got pregnant and moved us from Washington State up to Stevensville, Montana, population 1,200 people. And they rented this house on five acres and it was beautiful property. It's right by the Bitterroot River. And the house though had three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my little brother who's a couple months older this time now, and then one for my little sister who's four years younger than me. They said, Eric, you live in the garage. So I literally had half the garage to myself. They had a plastic tarp down the middle. That was my wall. And then the truck would pull in on the other side. Luckily, my half had the fireplace that would keep me semi-warm in the winters of Montana. But, uh, you know, so I was out there, the abuse continued. And there was a time when I was about 13 years old, they came home arguing, wasn't anything different than any other night. But I had this moment as I was brushing my teeth and God was saying, dude, you got to turn around and see what's going on. And so the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry to the garage door where my room was at. And as I turned around, I saw this man on top of my face or on top of my mom, just one shot off the other, just boom, 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 hitting her in the face. I'm like, I got to do something. And so I walked up behind him, I grabbed a cast iron pan and I swung as hard as I could and I hit him in the back of the head. 
and didn't knock him out, but it split his head open. He turned around, and as he turned around, he said, what then is I took another swing and split his forehead open? And uh, lots of blood stood up, starting to yell. I remember my mom jumping up, hitting them like five, six times in a row, blood splatting on the wall, just chaos. Cops show up, take him to jail. My mom doesn't press charges. I'm thinking I'm like the hero. It wasn't much longer after that. I had uh, gotten kicked out about three months left in my freshman year of high school. They kicked me out. I went to live with a friend of mine there. And that set me on a path of, of destruction for the next 10 years of my life. Moved back to my dad in Washington, got into drugs really early on. Uh, my dad would put 20 bucks in a cup, and that was my lunch money for the week. And then he would fill the freezer with Hunger Man meals and cereal and milk, and then he'd go stay with his girlfriend. So I'd see my dad a couple times in passing each month. But that gave me a lot of freedom to do things that I shouldn't be doing. You know, got into drinking and drugs very early on, like I said. And by the time I was 18 years old, I got arrested for having a bong, which is now legal in the state of Washington. But in 1998, when I was a senior, it was not yeah. it, it was not legal. And, you know, uh, then I woke up to a post-it note two weeks after I graduated that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. And so at that point, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am, what am I going to do? And I ended up moving 21 times between the age of 18 and 21. Uh, living on couches here for a week, a uh, place there for a week, and had a hundred bucks in my pocket, moved to Seattle, Washington to try to get in the music scene and lived on a bunch of floors there and lived off credit cards. And by the time I was 21, I was $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. Uh, meanwhile, this whole time I'm battling addictions of drugs and alcohol and landed a job with Universal Records, which definitely did not help my addictions because I was living this rock star lifestyle. I don't know how to play anything, but I was behind the scenes but hanging out backstage with rock stars and living that rock star life. And it was this one year anniversary. I was super excited to be in the business. It was always my dream to be in there, uh, in that industry. And uh, I got laid off and I was like, oh my gosh, like now what? And I start working for Starbucks. I've never drank coffee before I started working at Starbucks. And I was their night manager. And one night this girl walked in, she had 20 seconds of courage and walked up to me and said, hey, we've got this cool college aid event down at our church. Would you be interested in going? And she's good looking. And I've got no friends and I'm depressed. Yep. What time do I need to be there? You right. know? And so I showed up and I really feel like God was starting to plant a seed. I ran into guys that I hadn't seen four or five years on the other side of the state. Oh man, what are you doing up here? And, you know, so we got to chat a month later it was Easter 2004. I woke up after a night of partying with my buddies and I was in his basement like 530 in the morning, 15 other dudes passed out around me. And I felt God go, man, you're going down this path that's going to end your life. And I decided in that moment to quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking, everything in that moment. Cigarettes, cold turkey, quit it all, gave my life to Christ right there in my buddy's basement. And I called that girl up and I got her voice and I said, hey, happy Easter. Maybe I'll see you at the store sometime. And uh, we were dating a month later and we just celebrated 18 years of being married. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So that, that was my my journey to come to know the Lord for sure. It's a little, there's, a little crazy. So there's, it is, yes, um, every testimony is different and this certainly is. Wow. That's, that's just, there's a lot to unpack there, but yeah, you said you, that you like heard God say to you to turn around and see what was happening to your mom. Yeah. Were you a, a person of faith really at that point? Like, I mean, does, was that really something that you were actively pursuing or involved in at that point? Yeah, definitely not. Um, you know, when we moved to Montana, my, my mom quit going to church. Um, you know, we never really went to church and after the divorce, but my mom would take my sister and I and literally drop us off at churches and okay. she would come back like four or five hours later. 
to, to try to pick us up and the church would be like, where's your parents? And this, you know, pre-cell phones, right? So they would just be watching us, just chaos. But no, I, I definitely wasn't walking with the Lord. I, I mean, I grew up in, like I said, a Christian home. Both my grandparents on both sides were, were Christians. And my grandma, who's still alive today, is 89. Um, I, she has prayed for me her my entire life, and, and she still does to this day. And I, I really, truly believe that I'm here today because of her prayers. Um, but I, I just felt it in my heart, like, man, you got to turn around. You got to step up, have this 20 seconds of courage to put an end to this, you know, and, and it didn't end it, but it, it got me out of that situation a little bit. Yeah. I can imagine that once you hit him over the head with the frying pan yeah, or whatever it is, and, and you know, and he, he goes off and he comes back, that's not a great relationship. I'm assuming at right. that point, like, you're, like it's, it never was, it's but it got, it was worse. For it sure. got worse. Yeah. 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 I can imagine. Yeah. And your drugs and those sort of things and your, mm-hmm. your drinking and all that, that, that happened before the rock scene. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, a uh, you know, about, it was probably 95, 96, somewhere in there is when I really started getting into to drugs. And I mean, it started out just smoking pot, but I was getting still before school at lunch after school. And then it was, you know, taking mushrooms and acid and then didn't get into heavier cocaine stuff until my early twenties. Wow. And of course, as you said, uh, the music industry doesn't necessarily help you. I was blessed. I, I spent 29 years in the sports and entertainment industry running arenas and performing arts centers and backstage with Motley Crue and, oh, wow. and Paul McCartney and yeah. Garth Brooks and all of these people. Um, I, I had a quite, uh, quite the career in that, but I was never one to, to partake in that scene though. Sure. I did certainly see it. Yeah. Um, and, and it is something that can, can swallow you up pretty good. Yeah. Sadly. There and I think you know God was really talking to me even through the times when I had lost was lost and walked away during this time. Right, I remember there was a concert that I was at. I was managing the the sign up like meet and greet with the bands afterwards and or before the show. And I'm in my early 20s, and so this girl was definitely not old, but in her mid 30s or early 30s at the time. I was like, I don't want to be her age and still yeah. doing this. And God, I just remember that thought coming to my head, going. Maybe God's got different plans for me, and and it wasn't much longer than that after that that I got laid off and then met my now wife. Incredible. And and so when you wanted to get into the music business, what was it that you wanted to get into? Like what part of it was was appealing to you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to play anything. Uh, I always yeah. was interested in the the marketing, and at first I was going to go to uh, the Seattle Art Institute for audio and and things like that, but. Um, didn't work out that way. I actually got my job uh, at Universal Records. I interned for the first six months. Okay. Um, I was working at a CD store when those were around, right back in the day. And a guy walked in who worked for Universal Records, and I said, "Hey, man, how do I get your job?" Just kind of joking. He's like, "Oh yeah, you got to email this person. You got to be in college. You got to be getting a credit." And I said, "Okay." So I went down to the local community college out there in Seattle, and I said, "Do you guys do an internship thing?" Yeah. So I paid three hundred twenty-five bucks for an internship class. Got my receipt. Never showed up for a class, emailed that to Universal and said, look, I'm in college. And they said, great, you're in. And that's how I got into the industry. <laughs> wow. When I first started as an intern, I was doing um, tracking sales. I was stuffing posters. I would go out to local yeah. record stores and promote CDs. Um, I would Then when I got hired on six months later, I was their mailroom coordinator. So I was doing more meet and greets and set up with local radio stations and giveaways and things like that. And so, um, yeah, about two to three nights a week, I was at a concert. It was it was a pretty wild, you know, open tab for a full year. And the yeah. year before that, I had an open tab at another, you know, sort of music industry job. So, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Wow. And and so you had this 
moment or this revelation of turning your life around in this specific moment. Yeah. What do you remember specifically about that that was like, was it just a, a vague sort of, I need God in my life, or or was there something tangible in that moment? Yeah, there, there wasn't really anything, I would say, tangible in that moment when I, when I gave my life to Christ in my buddy's basement. But I had, mm. I think the invite to church really started to awaken my eyes to go, man, I, I really am heading down a path that's not leading anywhere. I was living in this really ghetto apartment that could barely afford, you know, pay the rent. My car, literally the door had to stand locked. It was like, uh, you know, shortly after I'd filed bankruptcy. And I remember being at Starbucks, I was their night manager, shift manager, and I just had no direction in life. I was getting off work and going and getting a six pack of beer and watching a movie and passing out every night in my ghetto apartment. No idea what I was, my plans were. And when that girl walked in and asked me to go to that event, it was like an opportunity for me to just even make a friend. Um, And so I think that God really started to work in with me. And like I said, I ran into these guys that I had a brief stint in college before before I moved out to Seattle. And and I had met these guys while I was in college. And here they are on the other side of the state going, man, I haven't seen you in four or five years. So it was just this weird connection. And they were actually part of the pastoral internship uh, that was going on at that church. So you had that moment. Yeah. And then... Was it like smooth sailing from that point on? Um, I have a feeling it wasn't. Yes. I mean, a little <laughs> bit, a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to change anything in your life, you've got to change the environment. And for me, I had to call up my buddies and go, look, guys, I'm not healthy. I've got to take a break from drinking and partying and things like that. And, you know, those guys are still my friends today. They they understood. They're like, you got to go get healthy. But what I did was I replaced that partying scene with men that I found in the church that had great businesses, they had great marriages, they had great work lives, they had great walks with Christ. And pre-podcasting days, you know, I said, I want to take you out to Starbucks. I want to, I want to understand your story. What are you yeah. doing today to do what you do? And I, I was literally at Starbucks three, four days a week for the first six months that I was just gave my life to Christ. And I was soaking up as much information as I could. I was reading two books a week. I was like on fire. And I just knew that my life had to be better than it was before. And so I just wanted to gain as much information and knowledge as I could from guys that were living the life that I wanted to live. Yes, absolutely. And did you join small groups? Did you start serving in the church at any point? Yeah. So actually that that girl, my now wife, she was actually um, the youth pastor at the church. And so she was involved. She was an interim youth pastor because the youth pastor had recently moved to a different one. But uh, um, so, yeah, I did. I got into a men's group actually with our head pastor uh, and then some other groups with men. And then when my wife and I got married, we've always been part of a small group. Um, We just we found a lot of health in, in those small groups. And now we've joined some small groups now living in Idaho where we've had some bad experiences in small groups. So we're not currently in one, but I, I think they're very healthy if you find the right group. Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry to hear that, but yeah, definitely uh, we're all humans, so there definitely is going to be some problems and, and challenges along this journey. Totally. For sure. So you 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 come to this place of realizing that, that you need God in your life, and you're plugged in at the church. You're, who would you say was your, your strongest mentor in, in your faith? Yeah, I mean, I th- my strongest mentor in my faith w- was – my my now wife, I would say, but okay. you know, she comes from a broken home as well. So just the strength that she has in her faith was really inspiring to me. Um, but when it came to men in the church, I was really close with our head pastor, and there was an associate pastor that 
He did a lot of work with YWAM and doing uh, home builds down in Tijuana, Mexico. And when my wife and I got married, we went down there twice uh, and, and built homes. And I'm not a tool person. I grew up with my dad saying go pay somebody to do stuff. My wife grew up in uh, a, on a property with her grandfather that was a shop teacher for 35 years. And so she is the tool person in this house today. <laughs> all the tools are hers. All the tech stuff is mine. We say, you know, her, to- her tool is his tech. But uh, yes. um, so it was a new experience for me to go down there. And it really changed my heart, you know, to go down there to Mexico and, and build these homes. And we're all just booger crying afterwards, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, my wife's strength and her faith has just been amazing over the years, but I, I, I do find it's so important to find a good men's group or a good men mentor if yes. you're a male, right, to, yeah. to go and be a part of. Yeah. It, it's funny you say that um, about you and your wife, and I, I don't want to say role reversal, but, yeah, you, you know, it's it is, totally. you know, stereotypical <laughs> yeah. role reversal. Totally. I, I'm exactly the same way. I grew up with my mom. My, my parents divorced before I was a year old. I grew up with my mom. I didn't. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't know about cars. I don't know about, I can't, you know, I'm more, I can do interior design, yep. but, but I, but I don't want to build the house. Right. <laughs> just right, wanna, sure. I want to paint it and figure out what furniture is going to look, you know? Right. Um, and it's funny. There was a time when, when uh, I remember I was, uh, my wife had just left for work and I got into my car and tried to start it and it wouldn't start. So I, I, I called my wife and I'm like, you know what? It's, I'm I'm so sorry, but you're gonna have to come back and give me a jump start. My battery's dead, and she said, "Okay, so are the lights on inside the car?" I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Okay, well then the battery's not dead. It's probably just the starter." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah." yeah. <laughs> but but she grew up with her dad. They went to you know the the, the races and what you know she you know I I knew none of this stuff. Yeah, it was so different for me. So. <laughs> totally. So I feel, I feel you in that regard. Yeah. So what happened in terms of like education at this time too? Like where you, did, did you go to college? Did you graduate high school? Like what, what, what was that like? Yeah, I did graduate high school. Barely. I, I graduated a 2.8, uh, GPA. Okay. So, um, but, uh, you know, and then my dad even kicking me out said, well, if you want to go to college, I'll pay for it. There was a community college where I grew up in Washington. And, and, uh, so I was living with an aunt and I would go and, work at the Doubletree uh, as a bellman from four o'clock to 11 a.m. And then I'd go across the street to the community college. My first class started at 11.30 and it was a U.S. history class. The lady did like 10 slides in a row on overhead projector and I put me to sleep every yeah, sure. single day. Um, and I, I took some marketing classes. I took some speech classes and um, gosh, I, I took math probably three times. I'm really bad at math. Oh, me too. And, and couldn't understand it. And I, I was there for about a year and I just said, you know what, this college thing's not for me. Um, even in high school, they were like, well, you got to take two years of, you know, a foreign language so you can go to a four-year college. And I said, I'm not going to four-year college, so I'm not doing two years of foreign language. You know, so I just had this mindset early on that I wasn't going to do that. But I did, I tried the college thing for about a year. Um, and then I had an opportunity to move to Seattle. I had a hundred bucks in my pocket. My buddy called me up and said, Hey, we need a roommate. And I said, cool, I'll be there. And I just left. I didn't even tell my parents or anybody. I just, I called him from Seattle and said, Hey, I just moved, you know, like I, I was just out, you know, mm. now, I mean, I looking at you and you've got, you know, Eric Allen media and you've got your podcast and you've got all these sort of entrepreneurial things that have, that, that have happened for you. Where did that come from? 
it started early for me, actually. I, I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset at 10 years old and 11 years old for two summers. I, I ran a lawn mowing business. I had 15 clients that I would go and push the lawnmower. And my kids think it's a funny thing, but it was absolutely true. I had to move the lawnmower a, a mile uphill to get to my furthest client uh, and then walk it back down. So, <laughs> and I got paid a whopping 10 bucks to do that guy's yard. <laughs> but, you know, as a 10 year old, I was like, man, this is awesome. Um, but always been interested in, in entrepreneurship and, you know, business opportunities as a kid in, in early 20s. And um, really feel like, you know, I do work full time right now, but I, I I feel like God's still working on me to 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 pull me away and do full time entrepreneurship and, and mm-hmm. as a podcaster and coach. But um, yeah, so I I love being able to do the side hustles. I've got a lot yeah. of side hustles going on, and you know, I wake up at four a.m. six days a week to work on that stuff before I start my regular job at eight. Uh, and you know, I've been working from home since twenty fifteen, so I literally just turned to the other computer. But <laughs> right. uh, you know, it just is. I, I, I love entrepreneurial spirits. I love hearing the stories of entrepreneurs and how they go from rock bottom to top and, and continue to change lives. So yeah, I'm just really driven by that. You've got this passion to help people. Yeah. Why, why that? I mean, I can see the side projects and you wanting to help yourself maybe mm-hmm. by these side projects, but, but why are you so passionate about helping others? I think we, we all have a story. We all have a message and, you know, I'm 43. I didn't share my story till I was 39. And it took me a long time to to share my story and feel comfortable sharing my story. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are holding on to trauma, are holding on to craziness of broken home stories. And some are keeping that victim mentality and some try to just shove that down. And I think if I can help somebody go, man, you know, my life's not as bad as Eric's, or maybe I had a similar story as Eric's, it might help them to go, man, maybe I can get out of this or I can get away. And the thing is, is once I realized that my past and other people's opinions of me didn't define my future, that's when I was able to make an impact. That's when I was like, okay, I can go out and I can make an impact on people. My past doesn't matter. It's over. I've been sober for 18 years. I'm, I'm ready to share my story. And hopefully I can encourage someone else to get out of that broken relationship, get out of that abusive relationship and and start fighting for their goals, their dreams, and their purpose. And and for me, that's huge. And legacy is so big for me that I, you know my goal is to break those chains of addiction, abuse, and rejection. And my wife comes from that broken home, so we have this goal together where our kids will never experience divorce. They'll never experience right. the abuse and the stuff that we had to go through. I want generations to come for the Allen tribe to go, man, that great, great grandpa, Eric, like he broke those chains and we're yes. still going. So good. Looking back on your history in your in your past, even though again, not necessarily focusing on it, yeah. but but in terms of, can you see God working throughout that past, even though maybe you weren't aware, maybe that it was actually Him saving you from certain situations or whatever it may be? Are you able to see that in hindsight? So much, yeah, so much. There there were so many times where I shouldn't have lived. There's so many times where. You know, I drove home drunk, which I would never encourage. And I always said, oh, I'll never do that. You know, Um, there's so many times where I was saved from just bad areas that I happened to be in or somebody happened to pick me up. And, you know, if I would have went this way, craziness would have happened, you know. Um, I mean, I've had a gun pointed to my face twice in my life and and God's protected me through those those incidents. Right. And um here I'm at 43. I've never had a stitch. I've never broken a bone. Wow. You, you know, uh, both my kids have had stitches multiple times and they're, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, oh, something happened there. But 
yeah. you know, I think God's really protected me in this area of of just being able to go out and be strong. And 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 I should have had stitches many times, but I just refused to. I said, "Oh, I'm tough. I'll tough it out." Right. And yeah. um, but I, I just think if I look back, I'm like, God, God brought people into my life that needed to be there when they needed to be there, uh, when I needed them most. And yeah, man, God, even when I was the furthest away, mm. and it's funny because I look back and go, even when I was still partying and not going to church and not reading my Bible every night before I'd go to bed, I would, I would always say a prayer and I don't know really what that meant or it didn't even know about like the Bible or anything at that time. Yeah. I just knew as a kid that if I prayed to God, he might protect me. And, and I really truly believe that my prayer to God and, and my grandma's prayers for me for years have kept me safe. Yes. I believe that as well. Is it hard? You grew up in a, you know, rough situation, obviously. Is it hard for you to be, to surrender and to be vulnerable to kind of open up a bit and tell that story or? Most definitely it was. I'm more comfortable now. Um, having, having shared my story for, for a few years now, but yeah, it definitely was. I remember there was a guy that I came across online named Pete Vargas and he talked about sharing your story. And there was a moment where I said, man, I've got a story and I need to tell it. And even my closest, some of my closest folks, you know, friends didn't even know my full details of my story. But I remember hearing Pete and he said, man, God's calling you to share your story and, and go and impact the world through your story. And so I recorded this video, nervous as can be. It was just me. It wasn't even live. It was like eight and a half minutes long. Tell me this story. And I and I took it down to my office. I said, what do you think? Should I share this thing? And she said, yeah, you can. But understand that when you share that out, the people that you're talking about, they're going to hear that and they might come and ask you questions or they might say rebuttals or things like that. Are you mm -hmm. okay with that? And I had to take this moment of going, all right, do I accept that and keep going? Or do I sit back and continue to hold on to this? And I said, we're going to go. God's called me to push this out. And so I pushed it out and I've, you know, gotten it down to under 30 seconds now on a, on a, on a good day. But yeah, it's, it's been a fun journey for sure, man. When you were younger, besides wanting to be in uh, the music business, what were you hoping to become or do with your life? Or was it just, just the music business? I want to do that. Yeah, I was, I love baseball. Baseball okay. was my, my jam. I, I started playing at a very young age, you know, played all through high school, played a little bit out of, out of high school, just in kind of high level softball leagues and things like that. Um, yeah, big, big fan of baseball. Always been a huge fan. Love the game. Love being at just sports events where I can, you know, or love being at baseball, even if not playing, just sitting on the bench, you know, watching that. And I, I would say I was an average player until I got to Montana where my skill set was a little bit better than maybe the, the normal player up there. Right. Uh, and I made, I was able to make all stars. It's interesting though, looking back and talking with my wife, I don't ever remember my parents being at any of my games as a mm. kid. Um, I do remember my grandma, who's still alive, my grandfather, uh, being at every game, though. And um, they just always encouraged me. And now looking at my son, who will be 10 in, in June, he's you know he's now doing what they call AAA. It's 10 to 11-year-olds, yeah. right? And it's his first year where he gets to steal bases, and he's so excited. And I've coached him for the last four years. And I took this year off just to kind of be a parent from the sidelines and watch. And um, I'm so excited for this year, but yeah, baseball was always my thing. I love the game. And you're in Idaho. Who you, who do you cheer for? <laughs> Seattle? No, I actually don't. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Seattle is the closest. There's a lot of Mariners fans out here, but so my dad's cousin, when I was, uh, in probably 10 years old, my dad's cousin, 
maybe he's 10 or 15 years older than me. But he played AAA ball for the Cleveland Indians okay. for about eight years. And so I just always became an Indians fan. And still to this day, I'm an Indians fan. They can call them the Guardians all they want, but they're the Indians. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I am a, a Indians fan for sure. I, I grew up in Baltimore, so I'm an Orioles fan. Okay. But but I lived in Cleveland and would go to a lot of Cleveland games. So nice. um, so so I you know I certainly understand that. Yeah. So baseball didn't work out in terms of career. Yeah. Where did you where did you go initially from a from a work standpoint? I had a horrible work career. Um mm. I, I, I didn't stay at jobs longer than three months. Um I hated working for people. It, it just, especially in the, the the mindset that I had in my early twenties and teens, was uh, I'm using this money to go buy drugs and alcohol, right. and, and that's it. And I could go get another job right away. I remember right after I graduated high school, I I, I responded to a, an ad in the paper that said, "Come sell cars for Rustine Ford. We'll pay eighteen hundred dollars a month for the first three months, whether you sell a car or not. We're going to train you." And mm-hmm. I thought eighteen hundred bucks a month at eighteen years old, man, I'm I'm like rich, yeah. and. I went down there and passed my drug test somehow and, and landed this job for three months. I was a horrible car salesman, but I, I waited till the end of the three months, got my 1800 bucks a month and walked away. Um, but I did a lot of retail jobs, any job that I could do to just kind of pay the bills at the time. Um, and then when I, after I got married, it was like, okay, Starbucks isn't really going to pay for the salary I need to, to provide yeah. for my wife. And so I got into sales and, and have been in sales since. And, um, now I do post sales kind of customer success stuff for a swag management company. But, you know, it was a goal of mine to get my wife to be a stay at home mom. And when my daughter who is 13 now was six months old, I made enough money where she could come home and she's been home since. Amazing. Yeah. How did Eric Allen media form? Or was the podcast, I guess you had a podcast first before it became that. Is that, would that be fair? Yeah, it was an interesting concept of how we got there. So in 2012, I started a company called Top Rated MMA. It was an apparel, it was an apparel company for fighters. So fight shorts and shirts and hats and all that. Great. And uh, it took off faster than I was prepared for. I started getting calls from UFC management saying, hey, you want to sponsor this fighter? Yeah, sure. Well, that, well it's going to cost you 50 grand. I'm like, Pfft. I ain't got that. Right. (laughs) Right. And so, um, I did that for a couple of years. I got bored with it. I had, I tried to do screen printing with it and I was outsourcing. It just got expensive. And, but I was still an MMA fan, like you said, and I wanted to stay involved. And so I started this thing called the top rated MMA podcast. I had no idea what I was doing. I was literally in a walk-in closet in our house. And I was, when was that? Um, 2017 is when I started the, the podcast. And uh, so in a walk-in closet, bad lighting, bad microphone, I was running a hundred foot extension from one outlet in the bedroom all the way into the closet because there's no extensions in there, you know? And uh, I was just asking fighters, like, why do you want to get punched in the face? And that was my whole idea around MMA, you know? Um, And it took off fast. Like, I ended up having the number one MMA podcast out here in the Northwest and I ran that show from 2017 to the end of 2021. I did 256 episodes and I was, I was talking with fighters all over the world. I loved it. And in 2018 though, kind of shifting things I, online, I was looking for motivational videos and I came across a guy named Ed Milet. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy is aligning with my beliefs, my values, everything. Yeah. And I just started sponging up as much as I could. And it really inspired me to talk with entrepreneurs. And so I used to have this big, long beard and it was called the bearded biz show is, is what I started with. And, and, uh, um, I don't even know how I came up with the name, but it was a goofy name and, and that's how I started it. But I did almost a hundred episodes combined between my two shows. And then somebody said, well, how do I listen on Apple? And I was like, 
don't even know what the Apple was. I was <laughs> I was literally recording a video and uploading it to YouTube and calling my, my podcast. And I was like, what, what is Apple? You know? And so I started yeah. just doing research and looking it up. I'm like, how do I do this? And so yeah, I started the Eric Allen podcast 2019. Uh, and then I've stopped the, the top rate MMA show. So I just focus on the Eric Allen show at this point. But uh, Eric Allen media really formed because I wanted to make extra money. And I created a, a a profile on Fiverr. And I just like put it out there. I said, if you need a video made, I'll, I'll try to do it for you. Like I didn't, I wasn't confident in my skill set. I just said, I'll do the video for you. And I even put like, Hey, if you want to sponsor your brand on my podcast, you can. And it actually started working out. And so I'm now a level two seller on there. I've made just a little over $6,000 from Fiverr over the last couple of years. And, um, it's not like a main source of income, but every couple months or every month I get a little bit, you know, a couple hundred bucks. And, but yeah, I do, content creation. So I work with brands on box openings, how-to videos, explainer videos, voiceover work, and things like that. And it's always good to get free gifts, you know, from brands. Yeah. They send me their product. <laughs> I do a video. Cool. You know? Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how the media formed. And then my wife and I just formed our official LLC just last month. And so okay. um, Purpose 413 is our LLC that I do business as Eric Allen Media under that. So how has your faith been involved in these decisions, guided these decisions? Has it been something that's been obvious or or a little bit more subtle in terms of what you've done and in, in, in your faith influence? You know, for me, uh, faith, it, it's so important to, to have faith involved. And there's definitely moments where I feel closer to God and, and than I do. Some days where I just feel like I'm lost. And um, it's really important for me to, to do everything from a, a Jesus perspective. You know, my job is not to judge people. My job is just to love people where they're at. And um, even in like the workplace or guests that I've had on my show, you know, it's not a Christian-based podcast. And so if someone gets on and they have a story and they might say some foul language, I'm not going to stop them. It's, I'm just right. going to love them where they're at. And so Every decision that my wife and I make, she's very much involved in the business side of things. Which she's just behind the scenes where my face is, you know, on the front of it. But it's all based off of our decisions with, you know, prayer time, and and it's so important for me to do that. When I wake up, you know, being forty three, it's a goal of mine to wake up every day. And so when I wake <laughs> up, I immediately go, "Man, God, thank you for another day to see and hug yes. and hold my family." Amen. Right, and and then I get to come upstairs, and the first thing that I do when I get upstairs in my office is I turn on worship music and I just spend time in prayer and reading the Bible and I write down my goals. And that whole time is just really me drawing close to God in that moment. And once that's done, about twenty minutes or so, twenty five minutes, it's kick on the mode of, of start mm-hmm. doing the entrepreneur stuff and start working hard. And then about 630, I go down and wake kids up about seven and make lunch and breakfast and they get, I get to see them off to school. And so, um, but, but faith for me is so important that if I don't start my day in prayer, it's, it's a lost day pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know that your, your podcast isn't specifically faith based, but right. I saw you had Tim's story at one yeah. point. Yeah. What was that like? He's, Man. He's, he's an interesting guy. He is. And his story is unbelievable. He's probably one of my favorite guests that I've had on the show. Um, I love Tim. He, he's a, you know, interesting being a pastor with the life that he's lived and, and, you know, his story just growing up where, you know, his dad got killed on a, a drive out to go get food for his mom one night. And, you know, they were, I think three brothers and a sister living in this tiny, tiny house. And, 
but Tim is so genuine in his love for people, man. And, and I love that conversation with him and he just opened up everything, you know, about his life. He was very vulnerable and, and just wanted to share his faith and share where he's at and the trials that he ran into around race and, and all of that. But yeah, I, you know, I do have guests on my show that are sometimes Christian, some are not. Jim the Rookie Morse, probably one of uh, another one of my favorite faith-based guests that I've had on. The movie The Rookie is based off of him. Okay. And unbelievable story of how he came to know the Lord and God has healed his body from um, Parkinson's, which is unbelievable in itself. But yeah, I, I do have a lot of faith guys on my show. And I just love to hear their testimony. And I love to have that conversation on air with them. Like, man, tell me, how you how did you come to the Lord, man? Because I love that that connection, networking part of that. Yeah, t- Tim was um, he's so interesting. I have never talked with him specifically, but I went to a conference in Las Vegas. I may have talked about this on a previous episode, but I went to a conference in Las Vegas that was a pastor's conference. Now, I'm not a pastor. This is when I was relatively new to the church, but but my lead pastors were going – and I thought it'd be interesting. So I'm like, hey, do you mind if my wife and I go? And they're like, yeah, sure, come on along. Yeah. So we did. And it, it was so fascinating because, you know, I think it was um, – uh, they had a number of speakers, but but one of them was Tim Story. And I remember specifically being, again, relatively new to the faith. Sure. And Tim was – he was calling out people like woman in the hat. Like you know, run to me. Like run when you wow. when I call you, run to me. And he and they and they would run to him, and he would just like he he would like just move his hand to the left, and they would just fall out to the left, or 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 just like it was wild. And I'm that like, is wild. Am I watching right now? It <laughs> yeah. was the it was for me. In fact, my lead pastors at the time were so concerned that my wife and I may just leave the church entirely because this was so odd. That would be right? very odd to see. I, I, I mean. <laughs> Initially, but it was incredible. Yeah. It was one of those things where uh, I hadn't, I, maybe I saw something like that on television, but I'm like, you know, this isn't real. And then I see this on stage. And I'm like, this isn't real. Yeah. And it wasn't until I had a pastor in, in my own church, or it was a guest pastor came in that laid hands on my wife and I, and our knees just started shaking as, as he was touching us. And then we just dropped to our knees. And I was like, okay, this is actually a thing. Right. Like this, I didn't do that. Like, well, it was just this overwhelming presence of God that was just so palpable. Yeah. And, uh, but Tim was the one who, you know, it's, it's funny because he was just swiping left and right and people were falling out like crazy. And it was the wildest thing I had ever seen. Yeah. And my wife had a hat on at the time and she, and she's like kind of ducking down, like, please don't call on me. Please, <laughs> please don't call on me. That's awesome. It was, it was really wild. So your, your podcast yeah. that you have, the Eric Allen show, you talk with world changers, entrepreneurs, successful minded people. Sure. Really it's, it's just to, to soak it in and to, to learn stuff. It sounds like I, there's, there's, I have a mentor as well. And yeah. this mentor said to me, be a learn it all. There's so yeah. many people that are a know-it-all. Be a learn-it-all. So good. Just soak up everything. That, and that's what your podcast does. You, you get some amazing guests on there that that just have so much great info yeah. to download. Yeah. It, it's. I mean, I've been very blessed to, to speak some to amazing people. I ended up winning Ed Milet's Max Out Challenge on Instagram, which landed me a phone call with him early on. Um, and I was able to record that and release that as episode 12 of this new podcast I just launched. And prior to him, I had Sean Whalen and then it was Tim's story and it just opened the door from there. But I think if we look at podcasting, it is this very intimate conversation and it's so good. The knowledge that is shared that I was like, at first I was like, oh man, this is so good. I got to just share this 
this out with people. And so I started to, to, you know, really focus on getting guests on that would share their story, the ups and downs. If you listen to my show, the first question I ask everybody is tell me where you grew up and what was childhood like for you? Because I want my listener to understand no matter who is on my show, we were all kids one time. Yeah, Whether we true. came from a broken home or not, we made choices in our life to get to where we're at. And we can choose to go down this path that's going to give us whatever that is. It's marriage, success, money, whatever it is that you want. Or we chose this path to go down drugs and alcohol and maybe we came for this. But we all made choices to come back to make an impact. And so that's really what I focus on is, you know, where they grew up, what are they doing today? What are they doing next? And what's coming up next for them, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the stories of the people that have been on my show, I'm, I'm so, I just feel so blessed to have some of those people on my show. When I lived in Norfolk, Virginia, and I was, I was booking the concerts, we had seven different concert venues there and I would wow. I'd book the talent there. And, and, which was amazing. But one of the things that we did from an event standpoint or the city standpoint was an event called uh, Homeless Connect. And it was an event where – this is all before I came to Christ. But th this was an event where there would be clothes. There would be food. There's a barbershop. There's a doctor. You know, all, all this stuff where – and people from – the homeless from all over the city would be bussed in. And they would be able to kind of go through, get, get an ID, talk to someone about housing, whatever yeah. it is. And – I worked, I volunteered and worked at the ID station, the ID booth. Okay. And, you know, throughout the course of the day, I am, you know, we're getting IDs and we're getting information from everyone, writing it down so that we can kind of get these IDs because, you know, with an ID, you can at least open a bank account or you can right. do some of these things that they couldn't do otherwise. And, and I remember one gentleman in particular, his birthday was only a few days off from mine. Same year we were the same age within days. Wow. And I remember just thinking, wow. At first I thought how great was the difference in our lives, just how there must've been something dramatic that happened in his life versus mine yeah. to cause him to be in this situation and me not. And we're literally born days apart. Right. But then I thought maybe it wasn't such a big thing that happened in his life. Maybe it's a small thing that happened in his life. It just took him in a slightly different direction and that then compounded and whatever. Yeah. But it was really powerful just to, you know, I don't want to just be, just be aware that other people, there's a story to everyone. Mm -hmm. There's a story to everyone. And, yeah. and to hear that. And now looking back now, of course, now I, I see something like that and I'm just, you know, the Holy Spirit's just talking to me and I'm being obedient to whatever I'm, you know, I'm praying for them. I'm doing whatever I need to do. But I, that wasn't me at the time. Yeah. But I imagine there are times where even for you in your life where you've had someone that you've encountered that maybe you were obedient and you had a, to, to give a word of encouragement or hope to. Did, did you have some of those over the course of your your time? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, just as you were saying that, my, my wife and I, when we were first married, we did a... Um, they called it what they call a rescue mission, but it really wasn't a rescue mission. We would go out at like 10 o'clock at night and we would go hit the streets of Seattle and we would hit up all the homeless people and we'd give them gloves and food and jackets and things like that. And I remember just speaking life into some of the younger homeless people there. 
you know, they were, they were like in their teens and, and wasn't much younger than me at the time. But I remember they were, they were like, we were passing out gloves. It was like 25, 30 degrees outside. And we had these gloves and they were just like a light cotton glove. But I remember them saying, well, do you have any other colors? And I said, what do you mean other colors? Like these are gloves for you to stay warm. That's they're white. Like just take them right. Like, uh, but I just remember those moments where God just prompted me to talk to people in that. And, you know, that was really a big thing for me and living in downtown Seattle, especially after being first married, you know, there was a moment where, you know, I don't want to say I hate the guys, but I think the people stand on the corner and they, they yell at people and they say, you're going to hell yeah. if you don't do this. Like yeah. those people drive me absolutely nuts. Yeah. And me I too. remember there was a time when I walked past a person that was doing this and I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to say, no, turn around and ask him how he came to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I turned around and I went back and I said, man, I like what you're, you're all about, but let me ask you, how did you come to know the Lord? And he said, well, I got mentored by this guy. And I said, okay, it wasn't you. It wasn't him yelling on the street. And he right. said, Correct. And I said, okay, that's all I wanted to ask. And I walked away and I came back and I saw him later. He had walked away and stopped doing what he was doing. I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit doing that, but I just remember listening to the Holy Spirit going, man, go talk to him. And I just had to ask him like, man, you need to stop yelling. It's not, that's not going to get people to come to the Lord, man. You just got to love people where they're at. Amen. It's true. I, it's, you know, when I was in I lived in Canada for six years and I ran the arena up there, which was, you know, an, a, an amazing time. We, had, we did some incredible shows and, and there was a gentleman that was a homeless guy that sort of sat outside the arena uh, all the time and was always great. Never asked for anything, just said, have a great night to everyone and hope you enjoyed the show, whatever it was. Enjoy the game, whatever. And um, he and I had gotten to know each other, uh, you know, over the years and, and there was a concert coming one time to our building by the Canadian band, the Tragically Hip. Okay. Now, the Tragically Hip was this incredibly iconic band in Canada that uh, the this, the lead singer, Gord Downey, was diagnosed with brain cancer. And they were going to do one last tour of just Canada and select cities and, uh, you know, because he, he wasn't going to make it. They knew that it was terminal. He was just, they were just going to do the best they could yeah. to do these dates. And I remember Neil, the homeless guy saying to me, you know, I saw on the, on the, the sign that the tragical hips coming. That's awesome. And I said, yeah, we were really blessed to have one of the dates. Now keep in mind, this is a band that if there are 30 million people in Canada, probably 28 million wanted to go to these shows. Like, I mean, wow. it, they, they are that huge and iconic up there. And yeah. so he loved this band and he had grown up listening to them and whatever. And, um, and I said to him, Neil, would you like to come to the show? He said, what do you mean? I was like, no, I'd, I'd like you to be my guest in my suite. Would you, would you come to the show? And he's like, Oh yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he didn't believe me at all. And, I, yeah. and, and so I saw him a couple weeks out and I said, Neil, you, you ready? I mean, the show's coming up in a couple of weeks. You getting excited? He said, "For what?" And I said, "You're going to be my guest in the suite, aren't you? Aren't you coming?" And he said, "Oh, you were serious?" I said, "Yeah, I'm serious. Like, I, I, that'd be amazing." And he's like, I, "I don't have anything to wear." And I said, "Neil, 
it, it, it's a concert, man. Wear what you got on right now. But if 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 the night of the show comes and I don't see you, I will hunt you down and bring you to the show. Like you will be here. Meet me right here. And yeah. anyway, so he the night of the show came. He he met me there, and he was just so excited. I mean, wow. he was just pumped. And wow. I took him up to the suite. I said, "You got all the food. You've got drinks. You've got whatever you need up here." And I just remember him being so grateful and just. Just yeah, he was playing drums on the on the on the granite countertop, and he's yeah. just like, I was just, it's just amazing feeling. Come but on. all of that stemmed from the Holy Spirit telling me to sit down and talk to him in the first place and get to know his story. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and that's how I got to know his story, and then that led to me being able to bless him in that way by just being obedient to, yeah. to the Holy Spirit. Man, there's something powerful about. Those moments. There is. And, and I think, you know, one of the, the gentlemen I met uh, on that rescue mission that night was an older guy, probably in his later 40s or early 50s at the time. You know, me being in my early 20s, he seems old, but now I'm in my 40s and he's probably about <laughs> my age. But, um, yeah. but I remember him saying, you know, who's the crazy one? Like, I love this. I don't have to pay taxes. I just sit out here and I get a, you know, live the life that I want. But I ride trains all over across the U.S. and you guys are out here paying taxes. And, and like the story of how he came to homeless, his wife had passed away 30 years ago and he jumped on a train and he's never looked back and just rides trains. And I thought, man. What a cool conversation to hear that story of him and everybody knew him. Oh, you got to go talk to this guy. You got to talk to him, you know, and he was so welcoming about getting a coat and staying warm. Um, and he just loved life, just being homeless. And, and it was cool to just hear a story. And I think God just puts us in the right place at the right time for, for certain situations like that. Absolutely. And people need to hear your story. I mean, I think that's, that's to your wife's point and everything else. Like that's your, your scars show that there's a healer your scars or someone else's healing there is there's some real truth to that and i think being able to tell your story is, is powerful and and i think you know i don't know maybe maybe you should seek additional opportunities to do that i, I just i feel like that's something that uh, that really would be beneficial to a lot of people um how do you view your role as a as a christian in the workplace like what impact do you hope to make you know, I I hope to just that I can love people, and I hope that I can come across as being someone who's just not judgmental and not a uh, you know the world's view of a Christian is probably very judgmental, and and I just try to come across as someone who just loves people where they're at. You know, I worked at my company for the last three years. It took me probably a year and a half to find anybody else that was I felt like was a Christian at that at the workplace. You know, and I've been working remote. I've only seen my my counter parts twice over the last three years, but you know, it's, it's been fun. And, and, you know, there's people from all diverse of the world, you know, that some that are voting right and some vote left and some are yeah. all over, but my job is just to love them where they're at and, and just have a good attitude as much as I can for them and encourage them in their life. And I think that shows I've, I've had several of them come and say, man, I, I read your LinkedIn or, hey, thank you for sharing your story. You know, I appreciate that or, you know, things like that. And it's been really encouraging. And so I do feel like I have this mission from God to just while I'm in the workplace, my job is just to love people or the rat. It's yeah. not to judge them and help them. You know, my job is just to love, help them wherever they can. And, mm -hmm. and hopefully they'll see a little bit of Jesus in me when I'm helping yes. them out, you know. Amen. And you had people that loved you where you were at at yeah. one point, right? Yeah. You, you had uh, some, some key people besides the prayers of, of your grandmother, but, but yeah. you had some people in your church that were, 
you know, your pastor and others that were a mentor in that situation that loved you where you were. Yeah. And, um, and that's pretty powerful to, to be able to give that to someone else. Oh yeah. I love it, man. And it's, I just, I love networking and, and talking and meeting new people and hearing their stories and just encouraging people. It's just a, a mission of mine every day to put a smile on someone's face, whether that's virtual or in person, you know, I just want to be able to put a smile on someone's face every day. Love it. And, and, and music back in the day, and maybe even still put a smile on your face. Yeah. What was your, what are, what are some of your favorite bands? You know, that's funny. I, I, I didn't listen to a lot of Christian music uh, in the background that I had. I listened to bands like Korn and Rob Zombie and Rage yeah. Against the Machine. And, you know, my dad, I grew up, you know, my dad would play Striper occasionally when I was a kid, you know. And so I, I listened to a little bit of that as a kid. Um, and, and so it was very metal, very dark. Uh, I, you know, when I worked for Universal, they said, well, you got to listen to stuff other than rock. So I got into more country and hip hop and stuff like that and built up this CD collection of like 3000 CDs in my, my living room, you know, and, um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more eclectic still, but you know, a lot of my, probably my favorite Christian artists, a band called Spoken or Kids in the Way. Both of those bands are really uh, some of my favorite. And it was cool. We got to take my kids who are 13 and 9 to their very first concert about a month ago uh, here at a church. And we never get concerts where I'm at up here. It's very, very rare. Uh, but Danny Co- Danny Goki came through and uh, Jordan Felice and there was another gal that opened up for him and I hadn't heard of her before, but, uh, my kids got to experience a, a real Christian concert where there was intertwined with worship and testimony and everything. And they just loved it. And Danny Goki gave my daughter a hat off the stage, you know, and like high five my family. And it was so cool to see them at their first concert, just God, just really coming through that crowd. And yeah. So, I mean, I'm all over the place now. I still listen to my Tupac sometimes. I still listen yeah. to my, you know, my harder stuff sometimes, but you know, I, I, today it's a, a super tones day. So I've been listening to super tones all day today. There you go. Yeah. yeah no, it's funny. I, I grew up, uh, I think my first concert ever was journey. Okay. But then my taste has always been really eclectic. And, and so I also went to see Iron Maiden and Judas Priest a lot. Nice. And of course being in the industry, I've, you had to, to your point at Universal, you yeah. have to listen to a wide variety of music to, totally. to, you know, different genres, just so, you know, what's selling, what's hot, what's going, you know, and, and those sort of things like what concerts for me, what concerts can I bring in that are going to actually, you know, do well. And, right. and, uh, and it was everything from Erica Badu and the roots yeah, and, you know, all this different stuff. And it was really interesting. I had, a, a, my kids have grown up in it as well. And they've gone to see so many different shows. There's a band called the Avid Brothers, which I absolutely love that they yep. they really enjoy. Uh, but my kids have this eclectic music taste as well. But they grew up going to concerts and meeting Carrie Underwood and Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez and all these people. Yeah. Um, and they got a bit spoiled with that. So sure. Uh, but <laughs> but it is uh, uh, you know was, I did a, a show with Hillsong Worship, Elevation Worship, and Jesus Culture, and and I was blessed to be able to to participate in their pre-concert prayer time and i i was the only general manager of an arena that's that ever was invited to do that because they knew i was a christian going in and and the promoter knew that and and it was incredible just to have you know that that time together with these these amazing christians that are just like just giving their heart every night on stage and yeah it was really cool to be part of that, but it's a, it's a fascinating industry, but it can wear you down. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, 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 it's crazy. Yeah. And music is such a big thing for our family. We have music playing 24 seven and, 
you know, my kids, they like some of the rock stuff. And then, you know, now NF is a big, you know, yeah. one in our house because he's, a, you know, a uh, clean rapper, you know, yes. and my kids love him, you know. And so, but yeah, my wife and I, we've been to a lot of concerts together, but it, we, we just didn't go to concerts once we moved to Idaho because we're just, we're in a pretty r- rare area. I would say the closest venue is probably 40 miles away, which in most people's eyes, that's not that far. But for us, it's really far. <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like, we, we never have to go out of a five mile radius where we live. So it's just, you know. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Eric, you, you've got so much going on in with the media, Eric Allen Media, and of course the Eric Allen Show, the podcast. What's next for you? Is God speaking to you in any way of, of what's coming up? Man, um, I so I got certified a, a John Maxwell coach, as you said, last year, which was an awesome thing I really wanted to do. I didn't want to just call myself a coach. I wanted to align myself with someone who had the same values and beliefs as me, and I'm, I, that's why I ended up going through John Maxwell's training. Um, I think we'll utilize that a little bit more this year and start doing some more just trainings around his books and things like that. I did sign a book deal last year, and I and I have written uh, about twenty eight thousand words in in a book so far. It's draft one, so I'm sure it'll change a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, hopefully, we can have that book out by the end of this year or early twenty twenty four. And and uh, it's a story of my the book is my story in in how I got to know the Lord, and it's also gets into podcasting how my purpose I really feel is podcasting and speaking with people and impacting people through my podcast and so we deep dive into that a little bit in the story and you know hopefully it impacts one one or two people you know I have no doubt I have no doubt I'm the same I, I released my book October 2020 okay. and uh, which was amazing to get these testimonies of people that I have no idea who they are people in yeah. Texas and other people that are using it for a book club here and they're, they're studying it here. And I was like, what? And that's so wild to me that, um, and I never wanted to be an author for me. It was never about that. I just, I, yeah. it was just being obedient to, to yeah. what God had put on my heart. But, and the podcast was the same. I kept putting it off and the Holy spirit this year said it's time. And I was like, mm. Oh, okay. But I, but I love it because I get to talk to people like yourself. And, and again, these stories are so powerful and I know they're going to resonate with the Preach Where You Reach listeners. And and so I am just grateful that you carved out some time today to spend with us. And and man, I can't wait to for the book to come out. And I can't wait to see what's next for you. I really, really appreciate your time. And, and thanks for being on the show. Oh, man, this is uh, definitely one of my favorite shows I've been on. And, and I've done 150 plus interviews on other people's podcasts. I would say this is ranked in my top 10 favorite conversations, Scott. I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, man, people need to be listening to your show. It, it, you have a great flow. I love the questions that you ask, man. You're, you're impacting the world, man. So I really appreciate you having me on.